Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. You will be listening to this show on or after August 16th, but it's actually being taped a week or so beforehand in preparation for a busy two weeks. Uh, Another fairly short show this week. I sat down and had a conversation with Arizona's own Mitch Ellerman. I, I realize he doesn't live in Arizona anymore, but he'll always be considered Arizona's own Mitch Ellerman. Uh, Mitch is a player that, personally, I've had the chance to watch play since, well, when he first played on the tour that I was involved with, I was having to call rooms and clear with them whether he could get in and play, considering he was underage at the time. So he's in his 30s now. I've watched him grow in the billiards industry and I've I've followed his career through local tournaments to national tournaments uh, watched him play against some of the best in the game I was very excited to see his third place finish at the US Open 10 ball last month so the idea of him being on Moscone Cup that was uh, that was pretty cool when he made the first uh, group of 14. Now he's in the final eight, and we talked about that. We talked about the whole the whole 14 to 8, and we talked about the boot camps and, and his career. I'll, I'll leave it to Mitch to tell people who aren't as familiar with him who he is. Here you have Mitch Ellerman. And I'm joined now by somebody here local, uh, Mitch Ellerman, a Moscone Cup hopeful. Here in Arizona, everybody knows who Mitch is, but... You know, in the rest of the U.S., I don't know that you're as well known. Uh, how are you doing today, Mitch? I'm good, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Now, you're in town. You've moved to Vegas, but you're in town, uh, what, just to give some lessons and, and to get away from Vegas a little bit? Yeah, I have family here. So, naturally, I come probably once a month, once every six weeks, something like that. Everybody sees me often, so it's easy four-hour commute, and I definitely don't mind driving. <laughs> I think <clears throat> I'd say you got a lot more than just family here. Boy, they love it when you come to town. <laughs> it's I'm very fortunate that people think uh, well of me, and I just try to treat people the way I've wanted to be treated. So I guess it's worked out for me. I think so. For for listeners who aren't familiar with who Mitch Ellerman is, can you can you fill them in? I'm a guy that's pretty much been compared to Scott Frost because he's a notable name here in this state. Uh, this is where I grew up playing, honed my skills, so to speak. I played a lot in the Southwest uh, whenever it was U.S. Bar Table Championships. Uh, 2011, I was fortunate to win the Seminole Pro Tour 10 ball at Mountain View uh, on the big table when Corey brought his tour out here trying to get more players. Uh, That was a little while ago. Um, uh, I've got some notable wins on the bar table, and I just pretty much never had the means to always travel and make events like other players that you see all the time, like uh, other Moscone hopefuls like Oscar, uh, Skyler, uh, Billy Thorpe. You know, they go 
almost every tournament knows him by name, you know. And uh, I'm just kind of that way here in the southwest, close to home. Do you feel strongly that were you able to get out and play in as many tournaments as they are, that you would be considered in the same category? Uh, I feel that I've been able to do that this year, and I feel like uh, I've been turning some heads doing it, hence the opportunity I was given. Were you surprised in any way when your name was on the, the first Moscone Cup list? I was uh, feeling a term of, like, uh, extremely blessed because, I mean, I'll be 32 in, like, two weeks. I've been playing pool since I was five. Uh, I went from bowling league every Saturday where my mom and dad took me, bowling at AMS lanes, like, not far from where my mom lives now, to going to the community center, playing eight, ten hours a day there. Uh getting a little bit older, going uh, out to eat cheeseburgers at the sports bar with my dad playing on a bar table, and uh, just kind of took over, you know. Uh, I often joke with people, it's the value of a misspent youth, you know, just to kind of get a chuckle. Um, so you were you were listed on the, the initial list of 14 players, and that meant that you were involved with the, the whole boot camp process. Now, there was one in Iowa and one in Vegas, right? Correct. How did that experience go? It was uh, pretty surreal because I think what Johan was trying to accomplish is, uh, you know, with all these, like, if it was my own interpretation of what I'm saying, like, we have these hybrid shafts, uh, Predators, Mez, tiger this that and the other everybody has a hybrid shaft some sort of low deflection we have diamond tables and uh rails are real lively they play a little quick you know depending on what part of the country you're in and they have kind of like desensitized our proper fundamentals and our strokes a little bit we've had to tone them down and become real like uh punchy in order to not let our cue ball get away from us he was touching base with how out of tune our fundamentals really are. And uh, it was a very humbling experience to see, you know, former U.S. Open nine-ball champion, one-pocket champion, Jeremy Jones, Corey, Bergman, all of us miscuing, laughing, like just really like, wow, we are struggling. And it, it was humbling. When I interviewed Oscar, he talked about – how working with Johan, he made the comment that it showed him how much he sucked. Um, did you, what did you learn? I, I mean, you, you don't lack in confidence, and I say that as a compliment. You play a very confident, aggressive game. Yeah, I have a gung-ho, ready-to-go style. Um, I, I have to really touch up on some other things just because, I mean, Nobody wants to just be good at one thing. Like, if you're going to be a professional, you really have to uh, – a golfer doesn't – you know, they're notable for driving the ball. But, I mean, where you make the money is being able to putt, especially under pressure. So, uh, you know, it's just touching up on all facets of our game. A lot of people know if I have a jump shot, a kick shot, I'm trying to make the ball. I'm not sitting there 
the only time I'll probably kick safe is to get separation between the cue ball and the object ball, and that's not often. My thinking is if I have the means to make it, then uh, I'm going to be – I would rather go down swinging than knowing that uh, I just kind of – what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, just waiting for the inevitable. How do you think that plays into the format of the Moscone Cup with short races like that? Well, uh, for people that know me, the last thing I ever want to sound is cocky or arrogant. But I'll tell you what, there was, there's very few people that, that are on our roster. Same thing, it has to be with format. Like, I was 22, it was a bar table but I was fortunate to double dip Jose Perica because he hung up two balls on two side pockets, short races to five. Now this is a big table. This is nine ball, but who can't beat who in a race to five playing alternate break, you know? And it's, I really got to think that that's where we have to focus on. We can't sit there. Are they better on paper? Yes. Do we have the best player in the world possibly playing on our team? Yes. But it is a group effort. If, uh, like, I played basketball, team sports. A good basketball player, now, again, I'm not trying to sound like a professional about all sports. It's just a good basketball player can move without the ball, meaning set picks, screens, uh, just play a little deep. If I dog a ball and I'm walking back to my seat and I see my buddy shaking my head, my teammates, that's the last thing I want. You know what I mean? I'd rather you guys not have me on the team because if USA can't get behind it and just know that, okay, we're human, missed the ball, but we're going to capitalize every inning at the table and they're behind that, then you know what? Maybe there'll be a little bit more success. You've played a lot on the West Coast. You've played a lot here in Arizona. And like we mentioned, you've got a lot of fans out here. So I wonder if you've, well, certainly you haven't played under the kind of pressure that is involved with Moscone Cup, but have you played in anything even close? I mean, uh, we have something local on a local level, and it just depends on how much it means to you. Uh, you know, you as well know, being from Arizona, there's such a thing as a Saguaro Cup. Played in that once, we won it. And it was a very cool thing because I think, you know, it all depends on your interpretation of the event. No, it's not players as great as the Moscone Cup, but it's players in a valley that you got to see all the time. So when you're sitting there, you go, oh, they're screaming, you're up. You know, you don't ever have to see those guys again. When they're saying west side against east side, you got to see those guys tomorrow at a weekly tournament or league. So, I mean, there's bound to be some tension, some feelings hurt, depending on how you take it. But, again, it's all interpretation of my opinion. I know there's going to be people that, oh, that kid don't know what pressure is, whatever. And you know what? It's uh, Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I mean, that's how progress is made, by questioning. But at the same time, if – we didn't, as competitors, question ourselves whether we can beat that one person. How would we progress as players? How would we improve if all we did is say, oh, they're the favorite. Go ahead, win this. You have to have that extra little drive. 
And it's like Johan said in the boot camp, if you guys think you guys are better than the Europeans, you're nuts. And he's right. They have better work ethic. You know, all throughout the year, you could see them at the Derby, high-fiving each other in matches, sweating. They get that support. In here, uh, you see the Americans, it's very individualized. Everybody, you know, and more power to them. they got to make their money somehow. I just think, uh, you know, again, I haven't, I've never been to Europe, so I don't know. I only know the things that other guys tell me. They have their nine-ball Euro tour. These guys are playing nine-ball rotation all the time. Now, if it was a round-robin format where we're playing some bank pool and uh, maybe some one-pocket, then all of a sudden maybe everybody – but that's not what we're talking about here. And I'm just asking your opinion on this. What was your read on the Shane Van Boning, Justin Bergman thing where Shane wasn't going to be on the team and then, or he wasn't going to be a part of the process and then he was part of the process and then Justin backing out of it. What's your read on all that? Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know what? Those guys, like Shane, he's a superstar in the pool world. Maybe he has obligations, and you're like, an obligation? This is Team USA. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Maybe he's feeling like, who knows? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't talk to the guy often. Uh, we just see each other at tournaments, and he's normally whipping my butt. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, As far as Bergman, you know, I saw him in Des Moines. He was there. As far as coming to Vegas, not playing either tournament, I don't know, man. Everybody has personal things going on in their life uh i can't really attest to it is it did it seem kind of shocking uh at reading svb's post yeah um but again at the same time you know maybe he's got obligations by sponsors other things uh i know that qtech has that shaft coming out Uh, i don't know what his deal is with them that comes out december who knows like but i mean Maybe he feels like he's just, you know what, his work ethic got him there and he didn't want to show up to the boot camp. I don't know. I'm not the guy. He's the one to ask. But, I mean, as far as uh, he showed up in Vegas, he did work. He was one of those people. You got multi-time, five-time U.S. Open nine ball, three-time, four-time U.S. Open ten ball, three straight, eight ball. He just won them both. I was there last year because I had moved there, and he won one out of the two, and it was the same thing. Him and Alex in both finals, both times. Um, you know, it's uh, being able to show up and be that guy all the time. Of course we want him on a team. But, you know, to each his own. Like I said, I, I don't know those gentlemen uh, outside of playing them at a tournament. Uh, it's not like they reach out pick up the phone. Hey, how you doing? So, uh, I'm sure they have their reasoning and, uh, you know what? I I completely understand. I know that you spend a fair amount of time on Facebook and Facebook, like it does every year has just erupted with, um, that's a terrible choice. Those guys should never be on the team. The team has no chance to win without X, Y, Z on it. And, and all that, were you ready for that kind of uh, uproar? Um, I mean, yeah, because I know it going in. Everybody's, like I said earlier in this uh, interview, that uh, 
everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, and you know what? More power to them. But at the same time, I, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, me personally, I like going into something being the underdog because all the pressure's on the other guy. All I got to do is show up and do my best. Some days that's good enough. Other days, you know, it's not. But like I said, the format is what I'm focusing on. There's a shot clock. Anybody who knows me knows I don't really take that long to pull the trigger. Uh, you could probably tell from how to- uh, quickly I speak. I just, I'm an on-the-go kind of guy. Anybody that knows me tries to match up with me immediately starts playing slower. And I start giggling because it's like I already know it's coming. You know, we all have the same playbook. It's just whether we choose to fall for it when we match up and play and whatnot. So, Well, I mean, I've watched you play for years and years, and, and we've talked about it in the past. You you don't take any time. I mean, there, early on, it looked like you one-stroked everything successfully. Yeah, I, uh, I paid attention to what my opponent's doing, even when I'm away from the table. So I'm still playing the game. I'm just not the one executing the shot. So when the cue ball lands somewhere, I've already had the kick mapped out, the bank mapped out, the safe mapped out, and the shot mapped out. If those are my, like, I, I'm already prepared before I even step up to the table. Well, and that'll play perfect with, with the format at, at Moscone Cup. So you made the final eight. Everybody on the final eight goes to Russia. When is that? Uh, I'm not 100% on the date. I'm still waiting for the verification email, but I want to say it's like the third week of September. Okay. And do you have any expectations for that trip? Um, it's going to be uh, nothing but a learning experience. I'm sure a lot of... Uh, anxious uh, nerves will be there because I'm just anticipating a great experience. It's good because, uh, you know, anybody can play good in good conditions. It's what defies a great player is how uncomfortable can you be and still perform? And I, I like new challenges and I like new obstacles. Last question. You were... My understanding is they came out with a list of 14 players. It wasn't like you had to contact Johan and say, hey, I'm interested in playing on the team. There was the Correct. list of 14 and you were on it, and then you played down to eight. If you had to apply for the job, tell me what's on your resume as to why you should be on Team USA. Well, uh, are you talking about like uh, notable finishes and wins? No, I'm talking more about what do you bring to the team? I mean, everybody can win a tournament, but what do you bring to the team either that you don't think is there or that you think it really needs? Um, again, like you kind of seen through the interview, I, I'm a positive person uh, at the table and away from the table. You're not going to get me rolling my eyes or saying, what was he doing? You know, I'm a left-handed player. I'm not going to question what a right-handed player is doing, how his shape zone is if he's comfortable hitting the ball a little bit better with low instead of top. Uh, I'm going to get a high five. Uh, don't worry, we're in it. Just uh, that at the table, away from the table, at the hotel, at dinner, at breakfast, at the gym. And uh, you know what I mean? I I try and share whatever knowledge I had. There were a couple instances Corey asked me. Uh, you know, and Corey's got about, 
eight years on me, nine years on me, while I was hitting a three railer a little bit firm in one of our drills. And I said, well, it shortens up, but it keeps the angle of the shot much longer and it's more consistent than, you know, it shortens up off of this rail, that rail, and then lengthens back out. And it just, uh, he started hitting it and then he was drilling it and he beat me in the drill. So, I mean, <laughs> there's, uh, some cueing things. I had, a uh, coach that gave me an hour lesson again, saw the same guy give Corey some help at the Derby one year. And he is a snowbird that lives in Arizona. His name is Jerry Bryson. Well, he gave me an hour of his time when I was about 18 to correct some of my stroke flaws. And, uh, you know, it paid off dividends. And uh, I try and point out people as I give uh, lessons to people here in Arizona. uh, As I've been doing this trip that I'm here visiting. And, uh, you know, I gave two lessons to two people yesterday and it just pays off. And it's just believing in the method and uh, perfecting it. Again, you know, with what I bring to the team, it's that positivity and, you know, there's no quit. Yeah, we can be down and oh, there is no lead that is safe when you're playing a set. Well, Mitch, you know, as a member of the media, I'm supposed to be neutral and Personally, I think I do a, a decent job at that, but I can't be neutral on this one. I, I would love to see you on Team USA. <laughs> I appreciate it, sir. I would, too. I, uh, you know what I mean? It's uh, I would be the rookie. I would be the new guy, but everybody's seen me over the years, and you know maybe I've turned some heads to get some attention, and that's why I was picked. But uh I know I got the work ethic, the drive, and uh, I'm not going to let what other people say judge my actions. I'm going to let my game do the talking like it's done my whole life. You know, I, I don't have huge sponsors. I don't. I never had the opportunity to get out there because they always wanted to, you know, oh, what have you done? It's like, you know what, if my game haven't, hasn't spoke loud enough for itself, then obviously I haven't convinced you, but maybe that time has come. You know, I'm a little bit more mature a little bit older. I don't, you know, I mean, pull my hair out, you know, it's always kind of fun when I'm playing. I can laugh at myself missing a ball or I can laugh after I gin a ball or get lucky and you you just don't know. Well, I hope that, I hope that's enough for, for Johan and Jeremy to see what, what you bring to the table. Um, I wish you luck in Russia. And hopefully we will get a chance to talk again after the the final team is picked. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right. That was Mitch Ellerman. As I said to him, I, I certainly hope he makes the final five. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to be real demonstrative if he doesn't make the final five. I don't think you're going to see him posting how he doesn't understand how he didn't make it. Mitch is really not that kind of guy. Um, Again, I wish him all the luck in the world. Next week, we will have Thomas Overbeck on the show. Uh, Again, that will be what I've heard referred to on other podcasts as a bank show. Uh, I will be at Turning Stone next week. 
So you'll have Thomas Overbeck next week, and then I have no idea who we will have after Turning Stone. Thanks for listening, and Dave, we're thinking about you. Thank you.